Hi, this is Ken Lewis, and you're listening to Concerts That Made Us. Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. episode i'm joined by music industry titan ken lewis to chat about his latest project obscene stealers obscene stealers is a collaboration between ken lewis and michael mass ken having over 100 gold records and having worked with the likes of drake bts bruno mars and eminem to name a few and michael being a king of music trailer scores having worked on the likes of tenet june halo Candyman, and star wars to name a few the guys have teamed up to take over the world of sync music and you're going to hear all about it. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show. Go. This the moment I was born for. Running, running on a long road. Who can stop me? Only Lord knows. Only Lord knows. It's the alpha. Fake that can move mountains. If you ever try to doubt it, you already know the outcome. What you thought it was, man, it's time. I am the, I am the one. They about to see that I'm second to none. I'm on the run. How can I stop when we only begun? See an army circling round, top of your lungs. Go let it out. Blowing the horn, let the trumpet sound. Put up your walls, be tearing them down. Jericho, danger, danger. You're very welcome to concerts that made us. Ah, oh, it's great to be here, Brian. Thank you for the invitation. It's fantastic to have you. I'm looking forward to diving into your music now over the next bit. So we opened the show with your track Danger. Would you like to tell us a bit about it? Ah, Danger. So uh Danger is a collaboration between Obscene Steelers and a hip hop artist named Diraj. And uh uh, you know, we sent a we sent a track to Diraj and <laughs> danger is what we got back from him. And, uh, you know, we just kind of worked it 
from there and and found a finish line with it. And obviously, obscene stealers is if you've heard danger, you, you know we're targeting you know sync movies, TV, film, gaming for sure, sports events, things like that. Uh, you know we're trying to build a, a streaming following as well, but we're really trying to uh, live in uh, what's called sync. Uh, music which is you know film and tv stuff so you know it's it's not your average music project it's really kind of thinking outside the box how did you come up with the idea for obscene stealers uh it happened by accident so my partner with obscene stealers is michael moss who i have affectionately nicknamed michael moss the movie trailer boss and Michael's day job is composing uh, film and TV trailers, uh, and he's amazing at it. He's done trailers for like the Batman and Fast and Furious, Mulan, uh, and a bunch of other stuff that you've all heard. And he and I, and I live in record world, so I live on the opposite uh, polar of the music industry. I make records for a living. I'm a music producer, mixer, songwriter, arranger, musician, you name it, soup to nuts, I make records. And my background, I have 114 gold records uh, to my credit so far. So I'm basically, you've heard a lot of my work. And um, so me and Michael got together on a song to produce it together. And it was just one of these collaborations where you instantly felt like this was a different click than normal. You just, we just both felt like this is so easy and we collaborate so well together and it just flowed so well. And the finish line was such a great uh, end to the song. Then after we finished that production, we kept wanting to work together. And Michael was just like, oh, send me something and let me just work on something. So I sent him a bunch of uh, like acapella vocals to some of my favorite songs that I had written, but never done anything with. And some of the stuff that he started sending back was like, holy shit, this is amazing. And my first thought, never having been an artist is who, who would this be right for? And I was just like, you know what? We should just do a project together. And that's how it started. We're just like, let's be obscene stealers. We'll collaborate with whoever we want, but me and Michael are the artists. And that's how it was born and kind of by accident and luck and, you know, but just by working every day. Yeah. Yeah. Now you mentioned the accomplishments that Michael has had and your own. I mean, you've worked with the likes of Eminem, BTS, Drake, Bruno Mars, but when you step to the other side of it, what's it actually like getting your own project up off the ground? Uh, one of the things that I've done a lot in my career is artist development. So I have I've produced and worked with new artists and helped them launch their careers. So for me, this was kind of uh, all of those lessons learned doing all of those developments has really helped uh, build the networks that we have to get our music out there now and has shown me where all of the mistakes that you can make lie so that I can sidestep as many of them as possible. <laughs> so, so I think that's kind of like the behind the scenes industry superpowers. Like we're really well connected and we're both top level at what we do. And we've both had plenty enough experience in this industry to have made every mistake that you can make 
have seen everybody else make every mistake that you can make and hopefully are wiser for it. And, you know, we'll, we'll see in a year or two how we're doing with it. <laughs> I get you. I get you. And I have to ask, how has the reaction been from fans? Um, so far, it seems really well received. Uh, you know, the uh, uh, I, I have a, a free live stream that I do from the studio um, on a Wednesday, like one Wednesday a month. Actually, uh, it's called YouTube.com forward slash Mixing Night. So I do this free live stream called Mixing Night. And uh, one of the things that I've done is debuted each single that we put out on Mixing Night so I can get instant feedback from all of my viewers, see how it goes. And, you know, one of the one of the things that people are telling us is that they hear this clash of styles of it's not really trailer music. It's it's super cinematic and dramatic, but it's also really like pop and urban and you know, it's got all of these different uh, genre jumping elements in it. And I, that from my side of it, that comes from my career. And, you know, you mentioned a lot of those artists, but Drake, I produced choirs for Drake. Uh, um, J. Cole, I produced choirs and live uh, string sections for J. Cole. Um Eminem, I uh, play guitar and did drums and played music for him. So I'm not like when you see my name attached to a lot of these heavy hitters, it's not like as a traditional beat maker or engineer or something. It's like I'm bringing different worlds into their worlds uh, because I am just really good at jumping genres. So when I got the uh, opportunity to jump genres with uh, Michael Moss with Obscene Steelers, I was like, let's fucking go. <laughs> yeah, I get you. I get you. I like that, though, that, you know, you said you've been, you were playing guitar beats, you know, that you're not the typical just beat maker. You know, there's something a bit more sort of grassroots about that, in my opinion, you know, a bit more traditional when it comes to music that you're not just there, you know, on a computer coming up with these sounds that you're actually organically making them. Well, I, I started making records. I mean, I'm old. I've been making records 30 years now uh, for major labels. And uh, so I started making records before computers were really super widely used to make them. So I have learned how to make every kind of record on earth and worked with every different kind of musician and, and you know all of that experience has just come in so handy uh working with michael um you know you, you just uh, i don't know it's uh i think having the old school approach of having learned to make records when i did has really helped me now with live instrumentation in a way that most people just don't get to experience now you know the two of you guys aren't like in the same city or even the same country He's in Germany. You're in the States. How do you guys approach that little obstacle? Uh, it's, you know, the pandemic really showed, especially creative people, that we could work uh, without being in the same room together uh, almost as effectively. And that's proven itself out so many times. And it's just, you know, he and I can get on Zoom calls and talk through ideas we can, you know, I can get a song to a certain point and hand it off to him and know that he's going to bring some magic to it. And I don't have to micromanage him and he'll send it back to me and I'll be able to put more magic on top of that. And, you know, 
And we keep doing that with as many songs as we can. And the best ones are the ones that we release. <laughs> so we're stacked with songs. We have so many songs. And, and you know, we think all of our songs are great, but we're trying to really cherry pick each release to be, you know, we're trying to put out one song a month. And we're just trying to cherry pick each release to be, okay, this is a banger. Let's go. Yeah. And before we move on, I have to mention the artwork. It's it's pretty <laughs> cool. It's like the two of you guys are superheroes or something. How did you come up with that? Uh that artwork is is uh so it's it's comic book style art- artwork very on purpose and that's going to be a running theme through all of our releases is going to be a different cover art. Uh the cover art illustrations are done by Vincent Van Gill and Chris Morgan and uh <clears throat> they're just they're brilliant. They really caught the spirit of what we were trying to do uh with obscene stealers is just bring you know drama and something different and uh you know the the other reason for the artwork is if you've ever seen a picture picture of michael moss he's a gorgeous man and there's no way i'm putting my real face next to his on a on a photograph (laughs) so if you see like the cover of side effects i'm a lion so I'm already morphing into different characters on each uh, new cover. And uh, and so is Michael. And so, it, you know, it's just kind of a fun way to be a kid again and, uh, you know, really enjoy the whole experience of creating music and creating art and uh, and having fun with it. And hopefully on top of that, making something that long term may support me financially, which is, you know, definitely the goal as well. Yeah, yeah. And at this point, we'll dive a bit into your own history when it comes to music to give the listeners a sense of where you came from. So if you can, can you remember your earliest musical memory? And I remember hearing, I don't know what the earliest one, but the earliest one that really stuck was hearing the Beatles yesterday on 45. And uh, that song, my parents played it all the time on, you know, our little console and music was always around my house. We had a piano, my mom would play, you know, I had cousins who were musical. So that was always kind of around me growing up. Uh, And I think that influenced me as much as, you know, hearing the Beatles and things like that, just being around, you know, real musicians who were playing together and, and, you know, the sounds they were creating and the enjoyment in the room was, you know, obviously infectious. Yeah. You know, from an early age, was it kind of obvious you would go into the music field? Uh, I didn't know that that would really be an option for me. I I think I discovered that at about 16 years old, I was in music theory class in high school and and a representative from Berklee College of Music in Boston uh, came and talked to my class. And I had never heard of Berklee, didn't know that it existed and this guy spent a couple hours with us and by the end of that i was like i went home and i was like dad i want to go to berkeley and he was like why do you want to go to california i'm like this is a music school in boston so (laughs) so uh at 16 i realized i didn't have to be a mechanical engineer or an electrical engineer i could actually be maybe an audio engineer or uh you know something in the musical creative field and uh that was life-changing and life-affirming and you know uh it's just one of those things where when you find the path that you know you were meant to be on i just 
absorbed it like a sponge and i still am i feel like it's a a bit more realistic as well coming home to your parents and saying i want to be an audio engineer as opposed to i want to be a singer you know well if the parents actually knew the realistic behind that they would still be as terrified as as uh, <laughs> for one than the other um you know it, it's a it's a I will not lie. It's a terrible, terrible field to try and make a living and make money in and survive in short term, let alone long term. Um, and I'm doing it fine, but I still work seven days a week and uh, and I still work really hard. Uh, and if I don't, then all of this probably starts going away. So, you know, um, it was I wouldn't say it was easier getting into the music industry when I did it because I think opportunities abound everywhere and it just depends on how you capitalize on them. But I think it was, uh, there were more set paths. Like I could go to a big studio and get in as an intern and then as an assistant and then work my way up the ladder. And I knew that path existed. Now it's really hard to get in at a big studio and make that path a successful one for you. It's just, there are so few big studios left, whereas there were hundreds when I was uh, getting into the music industry. Yeah, yeah. I suppose a lot of places are cutting back and realizing that you can, you just need a laptop, really. You know, people can make music in their bedrooms nowadays as opposed to renting out a massive studio. Right. That's the thing. I have three home studios and I don't, I haven't rented out a studio in ages. And I make, you know, top tier major label records regularly out of my home studios and they sound, you know, top tier. So, you know, so it just if you, you know, if you know what you're doing and you put enough money into it, um, you can really have some incredible results without ever having to leave your home. Um, and I think uh, the people who embrace that and really dive in and learn learn their gear and just get super creative with it and uh, get passionate with it can create magic from home. That's I've seen it so many times. Yeah. Yeah. And during your teenage years, the music you were exposed to by your peers, how do you think that has molded you into the person you are today? Uh, you know, it's, it's coming back a little bit full swing. Um, I grew up listening to, what would now be called classic rock, uh, you know, mostly heavy rock um, and Southern rock, uh, you know, Led Zeppelin, or uh, Leonard Skinner, 38 Special, Zeppelin, ACDC, uh, you know, things like Black Sabbath. Um, and that was kind of early. And, you know, I think that shaped me a lot moving forward. I got more into pop and other things in, in high school, but still always had my rock roots. And, but when I got to New York City, there was not rock work. There was hip-hop work, and that was it. So I started learning hip-hop, and then I fell in love with hip-hop. And I was like, mm, okay, I enjoy this. I, I can do this. And so then I started doing a lot of, like, hip-hop, which led to pop, which led back to rock. And... Some of my most successful records are big, heavy rock records that sound like they could have been done 30 or 20 or 10 years ago or today. Uh, and now I'm starting to mix classic catalog in Atmos uh, spatial audio, which is the surround spatial audio that uh, Dolby has now. Um, and I, I can't 
can't talk about it yet because it's not final, but I just mixed like a few number one singles from a classic artist uh, in immersive surround. Um, and I'm hoping that that's going to be more of a thing for me moving forward. So it's weird how the early experience swings back. I mean, the records that I just mixed in surround, I grew up listening to. I mean, I re remember being in elementary or junior school and hearing these songs and how I get to touch them again. So it's really, for me, it's a magical experience. Yeah, yeah. And when do the rest of us get to get to hear them? Man, well, if the mix, I just turned the mixes in for the songs that I'm talking about now. So if they go final, I think they'll be out uh, in a month or so. And there, there's not any real lag time needed. They might even put them up next week. Um, uh, and then I can start talking about them and hopefully they'll line up a whole bunch more. But, uh, but yeah, it's, you know, it's weird how I, I've, I've been really lucky to use the entirety of my experience over the last 30 years to still make records today. Uh, and I still draw on so much from different eras of my uh, career that I put into what I do today. It's, it's, uh, I'm lucky. I feel like speaking to someone of your stature in the music industry, I have to ask for any of the younger listeners, what do you think are some important values or important ways to get into the music industry or to get on in the music industry? So I highly encourage an internship if you can find the right person or place to work at. If they're just going to abuse you, no. But if you're like, I wouldn't have my career had I not done two internships. They opened doors for me that my college degree from Berkeley would not have opened. And they also gave me real world experience inside of a professional studio that I couldn't have gotten any other way and would have never gotten hired by those studios without that experience. So, you know, a lot of people look at internships as like, well, I'm not going to work for free. It's not free. It's like your PhD. It's like your master's degree. Um, it's like where you really learn, you start learning your craft. Um, so I, I, I highly encourage that. Um, I also highly encourage uh, humility. Um, people get a touch of success and the personality just changes. And I'm just, I mean, I've got 114 gold records and people still throw attitude at me after a little bit of success. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like I've been here 114 times. I mean, come on. And so, you know, it's, it's obviously it takes a massive ego to think that you can be a worldwide successful artist. So like, like, I don't think Obscene Steelers is going to be that. I think we're going to be successful sync artists. I think people will hear our music and film and TV and probably not know who it is. And we'll be fine with that. Um, but to think that you could be like the next Drake or somebody like that takes a, a pretty healthy ego. So it's hard to control that and not point it back towards the people who are helping you get there. And you got to realize that it takes a team, usually a team of much more seasoned and connected people than you uh, to get through the music industry because whatever you as a young artist think the music industry is, however you think it works, I guarantee you it does not work that way at all. Every preconceived notion you have is wrong. 
a lot of the shit that I hear on the internet is just like, oh, it's just, you know, it's a tough thing to navigate and everybody's got a different path and no two people are going to find the exact same path to success or failure. But, you know, uh, arm yourself with as much knowledge as you can and, and try and surround yourself with a good team. I have to ask, since you brought it up, you know, all the gold records and you still meet people that give you a, a little bit of a a little bit of an ego. How do you deal with, say, someone who has a massively inflated ego, yet they're not at the stage of their career where they deserve to have it, for lack of a better word? So as I've gotten older, I've realized a few things. One of those things is ego is insecurity. And if if you start unpeeling and unpacking the reason why people do certain things, it makes it much easier to deal with. If I know a person is throwing me ego because they're insecure about their success and they they don't have any fucking clue how they're going to keep it or find the next piece of success. And yeah, maybe they're feeling themselves a little bit. And, you know, but a lot of it is just being terrified and not and also having too much too quickly and not knowing how to deal with it. So I look at all of those things and I've seen them a million times and, and I can, I can let a lot of shit go. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I have my limits and usually it's a switch. Usually it's um fine, 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 fine. Okay. Now I'm really not fine. And <laughs> things have changed, but, but up until then, you know, you gotta, you gotta accept that with the music industry comes a, just a ton of ego and a ton of, you know, that on all levels with everybody that you deal with. And uh, hopefully I don't contribute to that any more than I have to. I better jump into your concert experiences. It is concerts that made us after all. So what concerts in your opinion have made you? Well, I tell you one that i I don't know if it made me, but I remember vividly was Christine McVie. I saw her uh, solo concert in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio with Timberwolf and uh, wasn't really like my brother took me. I wasn't really a Fleetwood Mac fan much before that or a fan of hers, but I went and I just loved it. And uh, so there was that. But um, man, uh, Prince was an incredible concert. that dude, wow, at Madison Square Garden in the round was one of the most exceptional musical experiences I've ever seen. Incredible. Um, seeing Les Paul at a small uh, jazz club in New York City play was incredible. Uh, Les Paul was the inventor of the electric guitar and the guitar's namesake that was created after him. He died in his 90s, but he used to play like once a month at uh, the Iridium in New York City. For whoever just wanted to come so oh my god that's that just seems like a i don't know what to say some sort of experience that you wouldn't feel entitled to actually get you know yeah it was so i felt exactly that way being in that room watching and the level of talent that he brought on stage with him to perform was just ridiculous i mean it was it, you know, that's New York City for you, though, man. There are so many gems that you just have no idea. These amazing things that are happening everywhere, all over the city. So, what a place. Yeah, yeah. And what makes a good show for you? What do you look for to get out of a show? Man, well, I mean, most of the shows are I go to are like 
just big rock shows, you know. I mean, Monsters of Rock in high school was epic as fuck. <laughs> um, you know, I think to it used to be to hear, and probably is, to hear my favorite bands and just to experience that music live and hear the energy coming off the stage and off the PA and, and to hear uh, their live interpretation of those songs and to sing along and, you know, just be in that moment. Uh, I think that's probably why most people go to concerts. Um, and I, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's, I don't know if the reasoning behind concerts has changed, but playing along the backing tracks has changed and, and, you know, I, I, we'll just call that commerce, but you know, I, I, I'm a sucker for a live band who can get on stage without any other help and just wreck shit. That's, that's exactly what you want at a gig. Just that. Yeah. And, um, I always ask, you know, saying 30 years time, what needs to have happened for you to feel fulfilled and happy with your career? When you look back, you know, is there like a white whale that you're chasing? Uh, I mean, longevity would be the white whale. Um, however I get there is it's been a pretty random road. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I describe myself as the weirdest resume in the entire music industry. And I stand by that a hundred percent. I mean, if you see my resume, it is the weirdest conglomeration of different artists and different genres and different roles that I've played wearing different hats for different things. It's, it's crazy. And I'm just, that's been, I think my white whale is that I can continue to do what I've been doing uh, and just meandering through the music industry with a decent amount of success, continuing to make records. I mean, I'm pretty happy doing it now. So <laughs> I, I could look back right now and go, I'm, I'm happy with everything. I, you know, I'm, I don't really wish I mean, I always wish for more. That's why I, you know, the career keeps going forward. But I've, I think I've accomplished everything that ever needed to be accomplished. Yeah, yeah. And before we move on to the last couple of questions, what's the future plans with Obscene Steelers? Man, uh, me and Michael hope to put out uh, a single a month every month until the end of time. And we hope that, uh, you know, it takes a while to get, um into the loops into tv shows and films and to start getting those opportunities but we'll get them soon enough and hopefully in a year you'll hear obscene stealers on your favorite tv show and your favorite film uh while you're playing your favorite video game and then maybe also when you fire up spotify then you'll listen to us there too and uh, you know that that's really our hope we're having so much fun making music together and i think everything that we put out so far has just been bangers and uh we've had such a good time making them so the the hope is that we can just continue to make more music as long as we possibly can and have some success putting it out yeah yeah it's funny you mentioned you know jumping onto spotify because normally you know when you hear music in a movie or on a tv show or even a video game you don't automatically think I'll jump on Spotify and listen to these guys. You know, it's just kind of in the back of your mind. Oh, that's cool music. And then you never make the correlation to listening to, you know, I think um, kids nowadays use Shazam and find new music like that and then add it to whatever playlist of whatever streaming service that they use. So if they hear 
a song on a TV show and that they they're like, oh shit, that's a fucking amazing song. They can just put up their phone, hit a button, the app tells them who the artist is, who that what the song title is, and and that gives them several options to stream uh that song right then and there and say if you already have a Spotify account and it's like play it on Spotify. Ooh. You can play it on Spotify and immediately add it to your playlists. And so it's it's kind of a different world with um, with uh, you know music discovery. I would mostly tell any new artist nowadays who wants to become any way, in any way successful to be on TikTok. And I'm not on TikTok, and I have no desire to be on TikTok. <laughs> it's not my thing, and but I understand that it's hurting me as an artist. But because me and Michael are strong in sync then that's a lane that most other people don't have that we have really wide open to us. And I can forget about TikTok and focus on sync. Do you think in the future we'll see more artists going towards sync? I think a lot of artists are. I think it's already oversaturated. Um, it's really, really hard to get uh, good sync opportunities. Um, but if you make great music um, that Uh, the music supervisors love and you spend a lot of time, you know, learning the field and networking and building great relationships, then you can do really well in sync. And uh, I've done really well in sync. Michael's done really well in sync. Uh, and hopefully the two of us merging our skill sets and our networks together uh, is going to net really great results for us. These two of you guys are going to take over the sync world by the sound of it. <laughs> dude, I hope so, dude. I would, nothing would make me happier. I would I would give up producing and mixing everybody else if I could just make my own music every day. That wouldn't be a problem for me at all. Living the dream. Right, we'll, uh, we'll dive into the last couple of questions then. If you could see any performer from history in concert for one night only, who would it be? Jimi Hendrix. I love the quickness of the response. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's one of them guys you don't even need to explain why. He's just the ultimate. Yeah. If I could hear Little Wing. Oof. Yeah. That'd be amazing. I think there's so much from Hendrix that I would love to hear. But him in concert, that'd be it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's It always blows my mind, you know, that his career, he was only in the public eye for a small number of years and he's had this like 50 60 year longevity you know oh it'll be five for 600 at least yeah yeah definitely definitely Just what a exceptional talent yeah yeah and the next one then if you had to spend 24 hours locked in a room with any artist or performer from history who would it be uh it might be prince because i feel like i could learn the most from him uh he because he was every single facet of a record maker he could play every instrument he could he could write he could sing he could sing all the harmonies he could hear them in his head uh and you know he could record himself although he usually had people around him to help him with that um and he could produce himself and he could produce other artists and from what i've understood that from people who have worked with him It's just been such uh, an uh, flying by the seat of your pants, amazing opportunity um, that sounds like something that I would truly enjoy. Definitely. He's like, I feel like he's probably the last of 
that level of genius musicians we'll see for a long time that that make that ascend to that level yes and but but also i think it uh, you know what bruno mars i gotta tell you bruno mars is is that level really and yeah he is an exceptional musician i mean drummer guitar player next level just like prince was uh bruno mars songwriting obviously is next level incredible his stage performance everything bruno really is the the modern prince to me and uh and the few times that i've gotten the pleasure to to do small roles on bruno's records has been you know <laughs> quite a quite a high honor for me i got to do a i have a small role on uptown funk and uh and i worked on his uh unorthodox jukebox album as well and, oh man anytime <laughs> bruno calls you it's a great day <laughs> i'd say so you definitely jump at the phone anyway <laughs> yeah for sure oh and uh if there was a song that would appear on the soundtrack to your life what would it be? Uh, boy. I would pick one without lyrics. Right. Uh, but I was just talking uh, yesterday with uh, one of my best friends about this. Uh, it's a Skrillex song called With You Friends Long Drive. Right, right. Okay, what, what stands out to you about that one? It's over seven minutes long. It feels like it's three. The arrangement starts really simple and unassuming, and um, and it just builds, 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 and it just you can't, as a listener, you just can't believe that like it's just it keeps going, and it's like wow, it got even better, and by the end of seven minutes, you're just like wow, that was really, I felt like I've been on a, a great musical journey. Um, and I think there are very few modern songs done in a modern format that really take you on a musical journey. So to have found that one was pretty uh, eye-opening. Yeah, yeah. I'll have, to, uh, I'll have to give it a listen. I'm not too familiar with it. Yeah, you'll like it. Unintended consequence of loving with abandon Reckless choices made without a hint of inhibition yeah. Shot to the heart like a needle Always under my skin When you pull out I miss the pain Until you push back in Shot to the head like a bird. 
was at my temple Begging you to pull my trigger Let me die in your arms I am Matthew Thomas, the Spirit of Super Cool Radio, and if you're looking for a great podcast that features the best independent and -and up-and-coming bands and artists, then check out my podcast, Super Cool Radio. Each week, I deliver fun interviews, and every Friday, I spin some killer music. You might not know some of these bands that I feature, but I guarantee you will love them. Check out Super Cool Radio on YouTube, Rumble, Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, or the streaming platform of your choice. Tune in and rock out! Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. And if you're interested in signing up the Band Builder Academy, use the link in the show notes below and enter the code CONCERTS and you'll receive 10% off. So, until next time, keep rocking. Hey. Hey, what are you guys still doing there? The show's over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. Bye.